You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. Google targets cryptbot malware infrastructure. Bin7 attacked Veeam servers to steal credentials. Ransomware-as-a-service offerings threaten Linux systems. Evasive Panda targets NGOs in China. Anonymous Sudan is active against targets in Israel. Russian ransomware operators aim at disrupting supply chains into Ukraine. Our guest is Stuart McClure, CEO of Quiet AI. Microsoft's Ann Johnson stops by with her take on the RSA conference, and bots want new kicks. From the RSA conference in San Francisco, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire Intel briefing for Thursday, April 27th, 2023. Google blogged yesterday explaining steps they're taking to disrupt the CryptBot malware gang's infrastructure after securing a court order against the malware's operators. The tech giant has filed litigation against the CryptBot distributors, who they believe operate out of Pakistan and run what they call a worldwide criminal enterprise. The legal complaint Google filed is based on multiple claims, which include computer fraud and abuse and trademark infringement, The company has been granted a temporary restraining order, bleeping computer reports, that allows for them to take down domains both now and in the future that are linked to the malware. Google says that this will hinder CryptBot's growth and decelerate the infection rate, which Google estimated at about 670,000 last year. Google says, Lawsuits have the effect of establishing both legal precedent and putting those profiting and others who are in the same criminal ecosystem under scrutiny. Bravo and good hunting, Google. With Secure Intelligence reported yesterday that the Fin7 Russian cybercrime group was likely behind the attack on Veeam backup and replication servers. The gang was able to steal credentials using a custom PowerShell script not previously associated with Fin7. They state... Our research indicates with high confidence that the intrusion set used in these attacks is consistent with activities attributed to the FIN7 activity group. It is likely that initial access and execution was achieved through a recently patched Veeam backup and replication vulnerability 
CVE 2023-27532. With Secure Intelligence advises affected companies to follow their recommendations and guidelines to patch and configure their backup servers appropriately. The Uptick's threat research team released a blog this morning detailing a ransomware-as-a-service offering impacting Linux systems. This malware is attributed to RTM Group. Researchers say it appears to be inspired by Babuk Ransomware's leaked source code. The team reports that they found the hacker group through dark web hunting and that the malware is focused on ESXi hosts. The initial point of access remains unknown. ESET reported yesterday that Evasive Panda, a Chinese APT group also known as Bronze Highland and Daggerfly, had conducted a campaign to install its custom message bot backdoor malware on Chinese users by using malicious software updates for legitimate applications. Bleeping Computer writes, Evasive Panda is a cyber espionage group active since at least 2012 that has previously targeted organizations and individuals in mainland China, Hong Kong, Macau, Nigeria, and various countries in Southeast and East Asia. ESET explains that the majority of the Chinese victims are members of an international NGO that operates in two of the previously mentioned provinces. One additional victim was also discovered to be located in the country of Nigeria. ESET assesses that Evasive Panda may have compromised the messaging software Tencent QQ and its update servers in order to tailor their targeting list and distribute corrupted updates to targets of interest while providing legitimate updates to non-targets. This campaign would then be classified as a supply chain attack, much like the attack on solar winds or the more recent 3CX attacks, since it uses upstream infiltration of third parties to infect downstream users with malware through updates or software downloads. Evasive Panda's goal in this campaign seems to be credential theft. The U.S. intelligence community sees Russian cyber operators devoting more effort toward disruption of supply chains supporting Ukraine. CyberScoop quotes NSA's Rob Joyce, the agency's director of cybersecurity, as saying that NSA is observing a significant amount of intelligence gathering into the Western countries to include the U.S. in that logistics supply chain. A significant fraction of that supply chain carries humanitarian aid. Looking apparently for a bigger payday, the Russian cyber auxiliary Kilnet yesterday announced that they would become Russia's private military hacker company. What this means for their operational tempo is unclear, but they promised they would continue distributed denial-of-service attacks against NATO sites as they pursue their current objective of destroying NATO infrastructure. The group says it will now also accept jobs from private individuals and from governments. They will still work to defend Russian interests. They explained in their post that they will no longer be making money from donations and promised sponsorships, and they included an emoji that indicated the sponsorships fell short of expectations. Earlier this month, Killmilk, the group's nominal leader, explained that he was tired of waiting for government personnel and businessmen to fund his group's cyber escapades. Shortly after their announcement, they changed their channel name to PMHC Killnet. This could just be a publicity stunt, as the ramifications of a cyber criminal group sanctioned by Moscow attacking NATO websites are unknown, but probably severe. 
Killnet has yet to release any information on pending contracts, either governmental or private, to conduct cyber warfare. According to the AP, U.S. federal prosecutors have asked that Jack Teixeira, charged with violations of the Espionage Act, be held in custody and not, as Airman Teixeira's defense is expected to request, be released to his parents. The prosecutors wrote in their petition, There simply is no condition or combination of conditions that can ensure the defendant will not further disclose additional information still in his knowledge or possession. The damage the defendant has already caused the U.S. national security is immense. The damage the defendant is still capable of causing is extraordinary. The AP reports that investigators are still working to determine whether Airman Teixeira retained any other classified information that has so far remained unreleased. Investigators and prosecutors have also not discussed Airman Teixeira's possible motives for the alleged leaks, but the consensus among Discord users who had been in touch with him is that he was simply showing off, without any serious political purpose. And finally, we ask you, what are the scalper bots after nowadays? Sneakers. Lots of sneakers. Netasia reports that scalper bots are especially partial to black-and-white Nike Dunk Low Panda. And while they certainly love some sneakers, the bots don't work via sneaker net. Coming up after the break, our guest is Stuart McClure, CEO at Quiet AI. Microsoft's Ann Johnson stops by with her take on the RSA conference. Stay with us. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business.
So I am pleased to be joined by Stuart McClure. He is the CEO of Quiet AI and certainly well-known uh, within the industry for some of your previous uh, efforts. Uh, former uh, head of Silence, a company we're very familiar with, which of course was sold to BlackBerry uh, and still continuing on under their umbrella. Um, here we are at RSA 2023. Before we dig into some of the details of the new company, I'd love to get your insights on where you think we stand as an industry facing the challenges that are in front of us? I was just talking to a good friend last night about this. I mean, I think we're all sort of in agreement that the fog of more is just not working. You know, we, we keep adding more and more layers and more and more people and more and more technologies and tools, and we just seem to get more and more problems. Um, and they're not the kind of problems that are preventative. They're really more detect and respond problems. And I think all of us have to think about how can we pivot into a preventative world? You know, is prevention possible? You know, let's talk about it. Let's talk about where all the threats come from and go to the root cause and see if we can affect some change there. Because I think it's probably the only way we're going to get ahead of this in any substantive way. So I think we all as an industry have to stop sort of pandering to the, hey, we need to see more and think about, well, we need to prevent more. It's interesting. I mean, I, I, there are folks who would say, uh, assume breach. Uh, let's leapfrog right over prevention and, and get to what, what we do once they're in. Yeah, um, that's right. You're saying not so fast? I'm, I'm saying try to think different. <laughs> Okay. I think that's the common vernacular and uh, the, the common thread. And it, it's self-perpetuating because if you believe uh, that prevention is not possible and you, be, uh, you have to assume breach, you then create an industry and a machine that you can't stop anymore. It's now self-perpetuating because the more people you hire and the more tools you deploy, the more sensors and the more dashboards you employ – the more you have to manage it and the more budget you need to do so. And, you know, we're in a time of real concern about the economy and where budgets are going and our, our timelines extending on acquiring solutions and getting real help. And having a detect and respond mindset just simply doesn't, doesn't work. I mean, now you get a place where you have um, a company and uh, folks that run it that, are invested in adding more and more and more. And mm. therefore, you can't ever get to a place of true prevention. But if you understand how every attack works, I mean, every single cyber attack, they all go down to some fundamental elements that if you were to inject yourself with the right um, viewpoint and way of managing those elements of those, the core of the attacks, you can actually prevent and you can prevent at the 99.9% level, even if you don't believe 100%, you can, you can prevent at the 99. And if you prevent at the 99, well, then now you've shrunk your world of what you have to go chase and assume is breached down to the 1 or 0.1%. Hmm. Now you can really reallocate resources to go after the 0.1, which is a much harder challenge to go find and identify than it is to prevent the 99.9, which is pretty obvious, pretty well known, not a lot of secrets there. You just need to think ahead and you need to uh, put your resources and attention into places that matter. 
Well, and I guess that's a, a good uh, segue into um, Quiet AI, uh, your new venture. Um, when you wrapped up your time with Silence and with BlackBerry, you had lots of options available to you. What made you decide that this is the one you wanted to pursue? Well, yeah, and, and a little bit of full disclosure. I mean, I had largely let cybersecurity be a part of my past. You know, mm -hmm. once I had left BlackBerry and uh, put it in good hands, I had decided I was going to uh, just apply AI into non-cybersecurity endeavors. I really am passionate about machine learning and be able to predict the future by learning from the past. Um, I've, I've always been focused on that predictive AI element versus the generative AI element, although there's plenty of use cases for that as well. But, but for me, it was the predictive side. And I was approached by a good dear friend um, to consider coming in back into the space here in AppSec and DevSecOps. And I started to look at the tech and I started to realize this is the real deal. This, we might be able to apply machine learning, predictive machine learning into the code science space to be able to actually prevent the 99.99 inside of code, which is where all cyber attacks start. If you look at the taxonomy of all attacks and you boil it down to the bottom basal elements, you really are talking about one of two things. Either it's a vulnerability in code that was never considered or it was, there was a missing feature or a design flaw that should have been implemented. I mean, we know how to secure things. We really, really do. We just don't do it early enough and in the beginning development efforts, even the, the design elements of a particular piece of software or hardware. We just don't. I mean, I've spent my whole career exposing that fact with Hacking Exposed and all of the hacks that we've demonstrated on stage right here at RSA countless mm. years, year after year. <laughs> and I can tell you, uh, we know how all these attacks work. It is not rocket science in any way. So if we know how they all work, why can't you go prevent it? I mean, it's man-made. All of these things are man-made, not alien-made. So we, we know how to go. Is it a matter of scale? Not, not really. I mean, there certainly are countless hardware endpoints out there, and there are countless software endpoints, and it's, it is scaling quite a bit. But if you go back and just look at down at the bottom of where it all begins, inside of the design of code, no one thinks about it from a secure mindset or a viewpoint. You have developers that really aren't trained in cybersecurity. Mm. Yeah? You have AppSec that really aren't trained in development. And you need to bridge that gap between these two cultures into a blended, efficient, effective culture of knowing how to solve the problem and then being very comfortable with making the changes to get secure. And this would include not just, of course, vendors, proper, you know, Microsoft, Adobe, Apple, et cetera, but it, it, it includes every single company that ever creates a single line of code. And um, there are, <laughs> that number is growing, it seems, exponentially. Um, but everybody's developing code and no one considers what to do about securing that code before they start writing it. Hmm. So what is the, the take-home for you, the recommendation for the, the coders out there in terms of the mindset? Is this a, a, a different approach? What are you suggesting here? I'm, I'm sort of suggesting what I've been suggesting for almost 30 years, but it hasn't stuck. Hmm. <laughs> 
is think evil, do good. If you're a developer out there, think evil, do good. Try to understand the core of the attacks and how they all work. Your role in that is not intentional. It's unintentional, but you have the power to prevent countless attacks by simply thinking like a bad guy and incorporating the changes that you know very well could prevent that attack going forward. We're doing a talk tomorrow. Uh, it's going to be uh, basically we're hacking sec into DevOps. So we're taking the world of code and DevOps and AppSec and we're, we're finding the the techniques, and we're going to expose a few techniques that the adversary is using today mm. to get into not just open source software, but your software and everything in between and make it look like a feature, but it's not. These are very easily prevented uh, features that if you just understood sort of where all these texts come from and are comfortable with it, literally you could prevent 100% mm. of cyber attacks. All right. Well, Stuart McClure is the CEO of Quiet AI. Thanks so much for taking the time for us today. Thank you so much. It is always my pleasure to welcome back to the show Anne Johnson. She is a corporate vice president for cybersecurity at Microsoft. But more important than any of that, she is the host of the Afternoon Cyber Tea Podcast. And it's great to see you again. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So we are winding down another year of the RSA conference. I would love to get your insights on the things that caught your attention or you think deserve uh, our attention. You know, it's been a great show. It's been really high energy. I think RSA is back. You know, RSA 2023 was busy. There were a lot of people here. Um, a lot of enthusiasm and optimism for the industry. I saw, of course, artificial intelligence represented in, in a lot of different vendor solutions. Microsoft had our security co-pilot that we announced in March that we did a lot of work on um, here and telling people about how ChatGPT is going to be great for the next generation of cyber defenders and incident response. Um, there were folks, you know, that were on the show floor. I always walk the edges of the show floor mm -hmm. looking for innovation, yep. saw innovative solutions related to industry-specific verticals like healthcare, saw folks that were really trying to solve the hard problems of data security. Um, it's been, it was a really interesting week. There's an AI lens on everything. It was the year of AI. I really would love to dig into that with you because as we were coming into the show this year, I was, I was kind of half joking that I expected to see Half of the booths saying, we're chat GPT enabled, and then the other half saying, we protect you from things that are chat GPT enabled, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Like, where, where do you feel as though people are landing with that in, in the real world here? We could have used a little more of the we're going to protect you on the AI side because they're so the company Hidden Layers won the innovation sandbox. Yeah. And companies like that, and Cranium came out of stealth from KPMG, and there's a you know robust intelligence in that space and a few others. But I think we still need to invest and have innovation in the actual protection of AI, the protection of data that's going into AI, model poisoning, model theft, model drift, data poisoning. There's an opportunity in that space for companies to really differentiate them themselves and for a lot of innovation to take place. I saw a ton of our security solutions are enabled by ChatGPT or OpenAI or you know natural language models or large language models. I saw a ton of that. I didn't see quite as much of the we're going to protect that infrastructure. Yeah. What about on the personnel side of things? I think you know this I think it's fair to say this is the first year that 
our industry has been hit with some economic headwinds. Uh, are you sensing the tone of that out there on the show floor, or is it mostly positive energy still? No, it was really positive energy. I mean, that show floor was enthusiastic. I think there, you know, I ran to a, few, a couple of folks, and you know, not humorously, who had been impacted that I know, and they were job shopping, and yeah. they were saying tons of people are hiring. So I think there's a transition of folks, but I think there are plenty of opportunities for people. What's your outlook for the year ahead down? I mean, the, the information you've gathered here, how does that inform your thoughts as we ride out the rest of 2023? Yeah, because my day job is M&A and strategic partnerships for the Microsoft cybersecurity business, RSA is always a really important event for me, right? Because I get to see all the newest startups. I talk to the investment bankers. I talk to the P, the uh, PEs, the VC community. You know, what are they seeing? Where's money flowing? What's the next wave of startups? So it's going to inform the strategy. As we're thinking about our ecosystem, and we're building a huge and robust system around Security Copilot, as we're thinking about that, what type of vendors what categories, and then who's interesting so they can build killer apps on top of, you know, the co-pilot. You mentioned Security Copilot. Can you uh, describe to us what exactly that is? Yeah, absolutely. So it is our implementation of ChatGPT, uh, GPT-4 specifically, to enable cyber defenders. That's the first use case, right? It will enable cyber defenders to do better incident response, to do better forensics, to do better investigations, better reporting, because it will give that, it will be able to, it'll be able to use command prompts, we'll be able to rationalize tools, we'll be able to get real data much more quickly and understand what to investigate. But I think the power of it is actually not the use cases. I think the power of it is it extends and makes cybersecurity much more egalitarian. So you could spin up like a cyber reserve. You could train your whole IT department on how to do command prompts. So if you suddenly have an incident, you suddenly could spin up these resources. You don't have to be a full-time cyber analyst to help in the event of an incident. And I think that's going to be the real power of the solution, that we can bring cyber to more people, we can educate more people, and we won't have this talent shortage we have now. No, that's a really interesting insight. Time will tell, right? Absolutely. (laughs) Look, the promise of it is great, but it has to be trustworthy, responsible, and secure. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, Ann Johnson, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the CyberWire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. We'd love to know what you think of this podcast. You can email us at cyberwire at n2k.com. Your feedback helps us ensure we're delivering the information and insights that help keep you a step ahead in the rapidly changing world of cybersecurity. We're privileged that N2K and podcasts like the CyberWire are part of the daily intelligence routine of many of the most influential leaders and operators in the public and private sector. 
as well as the critical security teams supporting the Fortune 500 and many of the world's preeminent intelligence and law enforcement agencies. N2K Strategic Workforce Intelligence optimizes the value of your biggest investment, people. We make you smarter about your team while making your team smarter. Learn more at n2k.com. This episode was produced by Liz Irvin and senior producer Jennifer Iben. Our mixer is Trey Hester with original music by Elliot Peltzman. The show was written by John Petrick. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.